This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, November 6th. And now, please rise for the singing of our episode 135 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And we are back in the studios after 22 playoff uh, podcast chats. 22, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, the chats were just Paul and I talking on our phones the morning after uh, playoff baseball games to discuss them. So um, after those, we are back in the studio to discuss the World Series in its entirety. And uh, it feels good to be back. Uh, the, the phone thing was not my favorite, but uh, it was a fun way to kind of stay tuned into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun to be back, but uh, kind of a sad day here in Champaign. It's uh, very dreary. I almost feel like the uh, the world's lamenting the end of the baseball season. Mm-hmm. Or one, uh, one year of Donald Trump being president. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, so it's daylight saving time, so it's also later. Mm-hmm. You know, the sunlight is it's later than uh, it seems like. Yeah, it feels like it's about 7 o'clock at night right now. Do you prefer the hour of sunlight uh, in the morning or at, at night after work? Morning for sure. Uh, when uh, it's not light out, like in between 6 and 7, my commute is pretty boring because mm-hmm. I can't read. But when it's dark, when you walk out of work, it's pretty depressing. It's uh, a good point, but I typically nap on the way home, so solves that. Yeah. All right. Well, this is episode 135. This is uh, what normally is a weekly baseball podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, intro to this week's podcast. It's going to be um, a, uh, a unique World Series themed podcast. And I apologize if you can hear the rain and the thunder uh, outside of our studio here. Mm-hmm. I'm right next to the window, so <laughs> I may be like electrocuted or something. Uh, not sure that's how it works. Yeah, you're supposed to stay away from windows during a thunderstorm. Right? No, tornadoes, because of the glass. Hmm. Yeah, so this one should be shorter. We're just going to talk about the World Series and kind of recap the playoffs. Uh, In a couple weeks, we will do a full 2017 season recap. Uh, We're going to look game by game at the World Series. Um, For me, uh, I just felt like I needed to to be reminded of each individual game because it's so easy to forget um, in a seven-game series, especially this one with everything that happened. Uh, then we are going to discuss the lasting memories or narratives from this year's playoffs and World Series, and then we'll finish out the podcast with the top moments of the playoffs um, in audio form. So looking forward to all of those. Uh, first, let's kick it off, though, uh, what everyone's waiting for, the Nelly update. So right before we started the playoff chats, uh, Nelly, who has performed our intro song for a couple years now, was uh, booked on allegations of rape. Uh, so that happened in early October. Um, obviously a very serious matter. Mm-hmm. We were, uh, uh, you know, not pleased. Uh, not all that surprised, honestly, but uh, disappointed in Nelly uh, for the uh, allegations. 
but he was released without being charged, and the investigation is pending. Nelly says, you know, it's just uh, kind of wacky, false accusations. Um, so, as many people reached out to us to ask what we would do about the intro song, Paul and I have discussed it, um, and we have decided for the next couple weeks to, ke to keep the Nelly intro song, but then after that transition to a new intro song. Um, mm -hmm. so, some of... Uh, some of that is because of the uh, uh, these allegations, but also just because that song is kind of getting old. So, uh, yeah, anything to add, Paul? No, uh, our sticking with the intro song is by no means an endorsement of Nelly's innocence. Uh, I, I would feel like uh, it's fair to say that it, us using his intro song has never been an endorsement of Nelly. Correct. If anything, uh, the or your update every week has kind of shed light on <laughs> Nelly's... Uh, lack of character so yeah nothing more to add yeah so if you have suggestions for our next intro song feel free to send those our way uh, you can tweet at us at a foot in the box or email us at a foot in the box at gmail.com uh, we look forward to uh, selecting a new intro song to our podcast uh, moving on to baseball though uh, before we get into our specific segments paul any uh, any baseball banter that you'd like to discuss? Uh, any hmm. ra random stuff from the World Series or playoffs? Well, we have some managerial changes. Uh, I don't know if any of those are necessarily exciting. You have the most boring coaching staff in Detroit now, where Ron Gardenhire is the manager and Chris Basio is the pitching coach. Um, so that's like the white uh, the uh, the white staff, and then you have uh, a Hispanic manager for the first time. Mm -hmm. Davey Martinez. Uh, for the first time ever? No, or sorry, not the first time, but first time in a while um, in uh, Washington, which I I feel like he should have been a manager two, three years ago. I feel like he's ready, for at least for the chance. Um, so I thought that was a good hire by the Nationals. Yeah, bench, coach, bench coach for the Cubs the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, you've got the Yankees still looking for a manager. Mm -hmm. um, seems like they're going to do their due diligence uh heard the list could be like 30 names wow yeah. have, the, have the red sox name there coach yeah it's uh, uh joey cora alex cora or alex cora yes yeah, sorry yeah so two latino managers yeah i feel like you said it's the first time in a, in a while i feel like you didn't uh you well didn't. when we sat down with um our friend here in champagne adrian burgos uh that was one of his talking points was... I feel like there wasn't an active one, but we've had one like right, recently. Right, right. Manny active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when we talked, what was it, like a year ago, there wasn't a, an active one? Yeah, yeah, so it's good to have a couple back. I feel like their ability to speak Spanish um, is, oh, it's a, huge. is a huge plus. I mean, you think about the White Sox. Um, oh, yeah, Ricky Renneria, Hispanic. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> See, I knew you said it without thinking at all. Uh, your first statement was it was the first Hispanic manager ever. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Backtracked it. I didn't mean that. Um, but yeah, it's huge. The White Sox, like half of their core, is going to be Cuban. Um, so it's uh, imperative that I feel like you can speak their language. Absolutely. All right, a few nuggets from me. Uh, so we didn't really discuss this. I don't think on the phone, but uh, the World Series featured two 100 win teams, 205 wins combined. Uh, that's uh, the first time since 1970 that you had two 100-win teams in the World Series. Uh, the first time, or the, the most wins combined since 1990, 1998, uh, it was 212 that year. 
but 114 of those came from the Yankees, 98 coming from the Padres. Uh, so 1970, 210 wins. Uh, the Orioles had 108, and the Reds had 102. And then the year before that, uh, in 1969, the Mets one had the Mets had 100 wins, and the Orioles had 109. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I guess my my question after looking at those numbers a little bit was, uh, do you think we've entered a new uh, era of kind of the dominant teams winning a lot of games, like the Cubs won 103 last year, uh, Astros won 101, uh, Dodgers won 104. Uh, so will we see more 101 teams, but then also it seems like we could see more dominant teams win the World Series versus the, the wild card winners and teams like the Giants. Yeah, I feel like it's probably too early to kind of make a declaration one or the other. I mean, one one of the things that we'll talk about later is that the Indians, uh, you know, for a stretch, one of the most dominant teams in Major League Baseball history, break the record for wins in a row, and they're out in the first round. So baseball, the, the, the way the baseball postseason is constructed still, I wouldn't necessarily say, uh, always leads to the best team advancing. Yeah, uh, I guess my thought was, uh, it seems like the best teams are better now than they were maybe five, ten years ago. Yeah, I could see that. And so their uh, their chances of winning in the postseason have increased. Yeah, you don't get like a squeaker like the Royals somehow managing their way. Like they're going to be stopped by a, a dominant team. Well, but I mean, even they had 90-plus wins. I just think the days... I was thinking their wild card year. Yeah, oh, 2014. Yeah. Uh, I was just... Yeah, the, the, the days of like the the 80 whatever, three-win Cardinals or mm-hmm. um, 80-some-win teams, uh, those might be uh, done for a few years now. That's well, just I th- my I, thought. I think it's worth thinking about and uh, writing about is like when you um, when you tear down your team and tank and kind of develop this core, I think that lends itself to more dominant teams. Like when you put together four or five really awesome players, yeah, two or three you know, top ten picks, you are going to have more dominant teams, and maybe that leads to like you're arguing, uh, just uh, postseason teams or World Series that have um, great teams as opposed to just really good teams. Yeah, I think just the the best teams in the league are, are better than they were mm-hmm. the last decade. Uh, next year's power rankings. I feel like there's a top tier. Uh, Dodgers and Cubs, National League, Astros, Indians, American League, and then a second tier of Yankees, Red Sox, in the American League and Diamondbacks Nationals in the National League. That's that's how I would kind of think about things, those top eight. Yeah, I mean, I think you could put the Yankees almost in that top tier. Their pitching, though, concerns me. Hmm. They've just got uh, Severino as a young yeah. lock and then kind of question marks after that. Yeah, you had the Astros and who else in the, in the top tier? Indians, Cubs, and Dodgers. Yeah. I'll be. You, I mean, the, the, world, the Cubs World Series winner out of those four or the field. The field, really. Mm-hmm. I take the those four for sure. Uh, yeah, I take the field. Okay. The the Cubs off season will be really interesting. This is like kind of the next point where Theo is going to really have to make his mark on the franchise. Uh, the Astros played in three elimination games in this year's playoffs. Uh, in those uh, twenty-seven innings. They trailed for zero hmm. of them. Clutch. Won uh, those three games by a combined uh, score of 16-2. to two. So the elimination games, two in the ALCS, and then one in the World Series. 
Was uh, it Dusty's lost 10 elimination games in a row or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't think his firing or the Girardi firing. Um, like I didn't think they managed very well, so I, I didn't have a problem with either yeah. one getting fired. Uh, <laughs> it's really coming down. Yeah, here. it's really coming down. I feel like we're flood flood level right now. Mm-hmm. Last thing, uh, Hall of Fame discussion uh, is going to pick up here as we head into December and January. Carlos Beltran is not a Hall of Famer. With the Hall of Fame voting. So I was, I was. My question is, how many Hall of Famers played in the World Series, in your opinion? Man, back to this. I feel like I can't give a uh, an answer without you. No, no, this J- is just jumping your on me. This is not a collective thing. So, I do have our rankings. Uh, a couple months ago, we did active player Hall of Fame rankings, mm-hmm. a collective list, and uh, there were seven from our top thirty that played in the World Series. Seven. Well, yeah. I mean, Altuve and Correa, I think, were on our list. Um, I think you may have put Verlander in or something. Yes. And so you you put Beltran in. So Beltran was fifth on our list. But it wasn't a mutual list per se. 400 homers, 300 steals, 69 war. I feel like he's definitely going to get in. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I saw a bunch of tweets, people saying that, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer, but... He's definitely going to get in. Uh, So he was fifth. I feel like he was just outside the top tier. We had our top four were like locks. Mm -hmm. I think it was um, Ichiro, Pujols... Uh, Miguel Cabrera, and I'll look up the fourth here, but... Trout? Uh, I think we had Trout as sixth. Uh, as I look for that, though, we had Kershaw second, or Kershaw seventh overall. He'd be second on on a, this list of seven. Mm-hmm. You think Hall of Famer, right? Yes, absolutely. Seven straight All-Star games, three Cy Youngs. If Kershaw's not a Hall of Famer, then... Um, like no pitcher is going to ever make the Hall of Fame ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Altuve as 13th on our top 30. Uh, I feel like his stack went up quite a bit. Yeah. Especially um, he's going to win at uh, AL MVP. So 1,200 hits. He's only 27. Uh, he's hit 24 homers the last two years. Um, and I feel like he needs to keep that power up mm-hmm. to uh, to stay in the conversation. But if you get 3,000 hits, you're like a lock, right? Uh, I mean, nobody has three thousand hits that hasn't gotten in. Pete Rose. Well, true. <laughs> uh, we our top four. We had Ichiro, Pujols, Adrian Beltre, and Miguel Cabrera, hmm. and then Beltran. Um, next, we had Seager at seventeenth. This was more based on potential. Uh, he is just twenty three years old. He was born uh, during the strike, which is kind of crazy. Hard to, think to believe. About. Yep. Um, feel like a pretty consistent year from him was decent mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Correa we had twentieth. He's also twenty three, also born during the strike. Um, if you had to pick one of those two shortstops to to put money on making the hall, who would you go with? Man, um, probably Seager. Really? I feel like I might flip those now. Yeah, I I mean it's kind of. It, Toss up either way. Seager maybe is a more talented or um, a better like overall hitter, complete hitter. Yeah. Where Correa uh, leans on his like just natural athleticism a little bit more. Congrats to Carlos on the engagement. Yeah, yeah. Had that was you, a cool moment. Had you turned off the game by that point? Oh, for sure. 
Yeah. Next, we had Chase Elliott, 25th. Chase Elliott, wow. 65 war. That was certainly yours. Six all-star games. Um, I say no on Utley. I think a lot of people will say yes, though. And I, I think he ends up making it. Wow. Um, my Hashtag argument, net my Hall of Fame. My argument against him making the Hall. Uh, so he he would get in based on power numbers, right? Like he hit a ton of homers as a second baseman. But he only had five seasons with over 20. So, yeah, I don't think power numbers are good enough. And then he didn't win any gold gloves, so he wasn't a great second baseman. Either. He never won an MVP, did he? No. So, uh, my opinion, not good enough. Um, but Beltran, only four more career war. So, uh, I could see how you would protest Utley being 25th in this list and Beltran hmm. being 5th. Lastly, Verlander, 27th. Uh, of anyone on this list, I feel like he helped himself the most yeah. since we did this list. Uh, he is a rookie of the year MVP, Cy Young winner, two hundred. Er, he's got around one hundred and eighty wins now. I think he'll get up to two twenty ish. Um, seems to have a lot of good days ahead of him. He's early thirties. He's like thirty four. Yeah, I mean, two or three years ago, you kind of felt like he was finished and um, just turned into arguably the best pitcher in the postseason this year. Yep. So if you had to redo these seven, in what order would we go? I'd say Altuve. I I'm feeling pretty strong about. We should Kershaw, Kershaw Altuve. Kershaw won. Yeah. Then, you think Altuve over Beltran? I mean, Altuve would still have to have a great career to get up to. Well, I started Beltran. this conversation by saying Beltran was not going to be a Hall of Famer. Interesting. At the time, <laughs> though, if you go back and listen, you agree that Beltran was a Hall of Famer. Do I really? Yeah. Maybe you're exposing the lack of uh, forethought I've given this. Yes. Uh, so I say we go Kershaw, Beltran, Verlander. Mm. I mean, Verlander's definitely going to make the hall. Uh, not definitely. I think so. I feel stronger about Altuve. All right, we're going Kershaw, Beltran, Verlander, Altuve, Correa, Seager, Utley. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, I would I would flip Verlander glad and Altuve. Could, glad we could come to that consensus. But I certainly agree with Kershaw first and uh, Chase Utley last. All right, uh, lastly, pick your team, final standings. Congrats to Kevin, not our brother, but another Kevin that won uh, our second annual pick your team uh, playoff fantasy game. He wins $25 from each of us, $50 total. Congrats. Um, Shout out to podcast friends Joe, Matt, and Garrett, who all placed in the top 10. Well done, friends. Uh, Paul, you finished 47th out of 79, and I finished 68th. Uh, but I still was better than our brother John. What team, I'm trying to remember, did you bank on a team going all the way that didn't? The Diamondbacks. Ah, that's right. Yep. Your sleeper, who won how many games? Uh, one. I guess, yeah, one. One game. Uh, yeah, if you could do it again, the top performers from that game um, obviously guys on the Dodgers and Astros, but hitters you'd go with probably Chris Taylor, Springer, uh, Turner, and then Altuve Correa. And then uh, pitchers, uh, Verlander was the best. Kershaw actually got three wins, had a lot of strikeouts, slow whip. Um, Jansen had five saves and a win. Uh, Chapman pitched very well. And then uh, Lance McCullers had a save, a win, low whip, low ERA. 19 strikeouts. So uh, mm. those would. Trey Turner let me down. Yeah, those would have been the guys you should have 
rolled with. But. All right, well, that does it for uh, our just random banter. Next up, let's look at the 2017 World Series game by game. There's only one October. All right, Paul, so I've got some notes here on each game. Feel free to uh, to chime in sure. as we go. All right, game one uh, of the 2017 World Series played at Dodger Stadium. The big talking point going into this game was the temperature of uh, Los Angeles. 103 degrees was the official game time temp. Uh, we had a battle of the lefties, Kershaw versus Keuchel. Uh, the Dodgers won this game 3-1. to one. It was a pitcher's duel. The game time, if you recall, was a quick two hours and 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the fastest in like 20 years or something like that. Uh, Kershaw went seven innings, struck out 11 uh, on just 83 pitches. And uh, uh, Roberts went with Morrow for the eighth, Jansen for the ninth. They shut him down. But uh, this is one of those decisions that could have come back to haunt Roberts later in the series when Morrow was running on fumes. Mm-hmm. In game five, he gave up... Um, I think the three runs in the or four runs, four runs on six pitches. Yep. Uh, so went with Morrow when he probably didn't need to, and went with Jansen maybe when he didn't need to. If if Kershaw just could have finished the game, um, Chris Taylor and Justin Turner hit homers for the Dodgers in that game. Yeah, to me it felt um, it felt like kind of how you expected the series to go. I think most people predicted the Dodgers to win the series heading into Game One, and then it kind of just all played out kind of exactly how the Cubs series did. Uh, great pitching from Kershaw, you know, your two guys that have been just killing it and Taylor and Turner hit home runs. Uh, there was a feeling, at least from my perspective after the game, like this could be over in, in five or six six games. Mm -hmm. Um, so where, you know, we'll get into game two in a second, but I felt like game two was the critical point in the series. Mm -hmm. Yep. Game two, Rich Hill versus Verlander. Uh, this game went 11 innings. The Astros won seven to six. At the time, people were saying this is one of the best World Series games um, they'd ever seen mm-hmm. in our lifetime. Of course, that was upstaged just uh, three games later in Game 5. Um, but the Astros won. Uh, they scored two runs off Kenley Jansen, one in the eighth and one in the ninth uh, to tie it, and that was the first time Jansen had been really touched at all in, in the playoffs this year. Uh, the teams uh, traded two runs in the 10th inning, uh, Altuve and Correa went back to back in the top of the tenth, and then the Dodgers scored at two in the bottom to tie it. Uh, then the Astros scored two more in the top of the eleventh on a George Springer homer uh, before the Dodgers came back uh, and got a Puig homer, I mm-hmm. believe, but just couldn't get the tying run uh, in. So the the Astros win seven to six. Dodgers bullpen really let them down. They gave up uh, eleven hits in seven innings, and that includes four home runs. And they just got one strikeout in those seven innings. Uh, one moment from that game that will go, I think, uh, overlooked. In the bottom of the ninth, with the score tied, uh, Cody Bellinger uh, hit what looked like a home run. If you go back and watch the replay, everyone thought it was a home run. Uh, had the look off the bat. Um, even Bellinger thought it was out. But uh died on the warning track. And um, game went to extras where the Astros won. Yeah, I felt like this this changed the whole series. You know, if the Dodgers win, um, which it looked like they were going to in the eighth, I mean, Jansen had been untouchable, then it just would have been so hard for the Astros to win four out of five, um, given that, you know, one of those starts was going to be Kershaw, one was going to be Hill, 
just very improbable to, to win four out of five. So this was a huge win for the Astros and I think changed the whole outlook for the series. All right, moving on to game three. I think this was the worst one of the whole series for different reasons. Um, you Darvish got lit up, uh, but the big moment, uh, Yuli Gurriel had a homer off him in the second and then made a racist gesture in the dugout. Uh, that was kind of the talk of the sporting world. And then a couple of days after that, uh, he ended up getting a five-game suspension uh, for the regular season next year, but no suspension in the World Series. We talked about that on our radio or on our um, phone call um, where I think he thought he deserved a World Series game, but I I didn't think that was realistic that he just would have appealed and then mm-hmm. just served one game next year. Um, so we don't have to hash into that, but um, that was the talk um, afterwards. The actual gameplay, uh, Brad Peacock for the Astros came up big. He came out of the bullpen through three and two-thirds of no-run baseball. And that's kind of the blueprint the Astros used in the series. They'd bring in uh, one of their crappy starters um, <laughs> to pitch out of the bullpen. And if he pitched well, they just went with him to end the game Yeah, because uh, Ken Giles was so bad. Yeah, I mean, I think Darvish, when you take a step back and look at the series, holistically, Darvish lost the series for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Going in, you felt like one of the biggest strengths for the Dodgers was the like the Darvish versus whoever the Astros were going to throw out in game three. I mean, Darvish was bona fide ace, um, you know, traded good prospect for him midseason. You felt like he was, you know, by far a better pitcher than McCullers or Peacock or whoever. And uh, he just was terrible. I mean, he didn't, I think total he pitched like three innings. Yep, two starts, three and one-third innings pitched, nine earned runs, and zero strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, just awful it sounds like he may have been tipping pitches i think definitely that's the case which explains things but um yeah he just killed the dodgers yep all right moving on to game four so right now the series was astros two to one game four uh alex wood and charlie morton had a uh pitcher's duel surprisingly it was one one heading into the ninth and that's when the dodgers scored five runs including a three run homer by jack peterson and that came off Ken Giles, who wasn't really used in any crucial situations after mm-hmm. that. Dodgers scored five. Jack Peterson, kind of the talk afterwards, and Alex Wood also pitching well. But I think Charlie Morton, him pitching well, was was not really talked about much, but that came up big in game seven. Yeah, this was uh, a game that I, like, when I was preparing, just watched, like, the two-minute MLB.com uh, review, and I, like, didn't remember any of the game. I think that was a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. All right, game five, the classic was on Sunday night. Was it just a week ago from when we were recording this? Yes. Wow. So much has happened. Five hours and 17 minutes was the time of this game. Uh, Ten innings, 25 runs, seven homers. Uh, I think the best World Series game, uh, you know, taking away context, like I think game seven last year was top in my mind obviously because I'm a Cubs fan, but even just the context of the playoff droughts for both teams, um, can't get much better than that. But in terms of just gameplay, entertainment, this is top. See, I liked, the more I thought about it, um, my initial answer was game five is my favorite, but I think game two was... was... No. You didn't watch, did you watch either one? I watched both. The completion? Yeah. No, you said you went to bed early in game five. You said you had to tune in or turn in early. 
Maybe yeah, maybe that's why I like game two more. You but. stayed up till like close to one or ten. No, is the answer. I don't recall to be honest. But game two just you felt like more was at stake. Game five was like no, no. I I'm a fan of like the really improbable comeback. So Jansen coming in the game. Yeah, there was like six of those in game five. Oh, I don't let's know. discuss it first. Keiko and Kershaw started again, which people forget. Uh, the Dodgers go up three nothing early, and they are up three nothing through three. They take a four nothing lead in the fourth. With Kershaw pitching well, it looks like the Dodgers are going to take control of the series once again. Because uh, at this point, the series is two two. Yes. So lots at stake in this game, unlike game two. Uh, the Astros get four in the bottom of the fourth to tie it. Uh, so that was kind of Kershaw's, uh, you know, uh, an inning that he'll replay in his mind probably for a long time. Uh, the Dodgers then get three more on a Bellinger homer to go up seven to four. But in the bottom of the fifth, the Astros get all three right back on an Altuve homer uh, to tie it at seven. A couple innings later, the Dodgers go up eight to seven uh, on a misplay by George Springer. Um, so looks like they're back in control again. But in the bottom of the seventh, uh, with Brandon Morrow pitching, the Astros get four runs um, on, uh, I think, two homers. I remember the Correa one, but I think there might have been one other uh, as well. So the, or the Astros go up. Uh, now they're up 11-8. to eight. Uh, The team is both trade runs in the eighth inning, so it's 12-9 to nine going into the top of the ninth. The Dodgers get three to tie it, which is overlooked just because of how crazy the game is, but... A three-run top of the ninth to tie it is crazy. Uh, so the game's tied. And then with the Astros hitting um, in the bottom of the tenth off of Kenley Jansen in his second inning of work, uh, Alex Bregman had a walk-off base hit. And that came off. Um, there was a hit by pitch with two outs and then a walk and then the base hit by Bregman. Um, yeah, so pretty crazy game. I guess it's, I mean, game two had high scoring but there I don't know game 5 was almost like comical the home runs and like the scoring is just almost like a video game yeah fantastic game uh and one of the best ever i just like personally like i like the feeling of game 2 more and maybe in retrospect that's because i was awake for it all right game 6 and game 7 uh not all that entertaining um or i guess i mean they were entertaining cuz it's game 6 and game 7 of a world series and they were pretty well played but just not the hype of Games two or five. Uh, 67 degrees for this game six back at Dodger Stadium. 30 degrees different than game one. Uh, this was Hill versus Verlander. The Astros went up uh, one nothing and were up one nothing through five. So that looked like they could just finish it. And I thought they were going to with Verlander on the mound. But the Dodgers fight back. They got three in the sixth and seventh. So they go up three to one. And then the bullpen comes in, shuts the door. Uh, Jansen pitched two innings, uh, just threw 19 pitches, which was big. In this game, coming off the seven-homer, 25-run game, there's just four runs scored in this game and just two home runs, uh, Jack Peterson and George Springer. Um, so kind of killed the narrative of the, the juice baseballs. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think Yasiel before, or right after game five, guaranteed a game seven. So the Dodgers backed them up. Mm-hmm. All right, game seven, uh, the one probably freshest in all our minds. Uh, the Dodgers uh, got down early with the Astros scoring two in the first, three in the second off Yu Darvish, who looked uh, pretty terrible. Uh, but McCullers also looked terrible from the Astros. 
the Dodgers just couldn't score any runs, couldn't get any hits he, with runners. Well, he in hit four position. guys, right? Which was a new record. Yeah. Uh, for the game, the Dodgers were just one for 13 with runners in scoring position. Um, six and two-thirds innings pitch from the Astros' bullpen. Uh, just gave up the one run and three hits. And four of those innings came from Charlie Morton, who, like I said earlier, uh, had a great underrated World Series. Ten innings pitched, two earned runs, 11 strikeouts. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, this game, I think, you know, lots of base runners, but just not many hits with runners in scoring position. The Dodgers, like I said, one for 13. The Astros were just one for 10. Uh, compare that with uh, collectively 10 for 23. Uh, for both teams in Game Five, mm-hmm. yeah, and, uh, both Turner and Bellinger didn't have great World Series, and I felt like that was, yeah, I mean, Game Seven was kind of the capstone for that. Especially Bellinger, he looked lost, yeah, kind of worn out at the plate. There you go. Yeah, as as I put this together, um, the Darvish versus Morton comparison stood out to me, and the Darvish versus Verlander. I mean, the the Dodgers had the resources to trade for Verlander. Yeah, that's a great point. Instead of Darvish. But they decided not to. And um, how many millions do you think Darvish cost himself? I'm sure, yeah. someone's still going to pay him, but not nearly as much as if he would have been a decent starter in the postseason. Yeah, I feel like there's always been a narrative of him tipping pitches, like even back to when he first came over. He has a no hitter. You Darvish? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure why. Near no hitter. I just feel like I remember that, and you're like the no hitter expert, so mm, yeah. I'm going to say yes. Somebody fact check us. I just feel like that was a random question. No, I just, he has like the stuff oh. for dominance, but yeah. Got it. Tips pitches and gives gives it away. All right, well, that's all I got. Game by game recap. Uh, next up, let's talk about some playoff memories and narratives. There's only one October. All right, uh, Through the Rain, which has come back, returned, weather update. I've got five narratives or five memories from the World Series in the postseason. How uh, many of them revolve around juice baseballs? None of them. What? Yeah, it's got to be one narrative, no, right? I bucked the trend. What? It's like the narrative. So my first one uh, is Tanking Works. So uh, even though, you know, like the Yankees went pretty far this postseason and the Dodgers were in the World Series and they didn't necessarily tank, uh, the fact that the Cubs winning last year and the Astros winning this year, I think will just kind of cement in our memories the legitimacy of that approach for years to come. Like if Ken Burns does a documentary in 20 years on this decade, I feel like that will be what he talks about. These Mm -hmm. two teams that were just awful. I mean, I went back and looked the Cubs averaged 95 losses from 2012 to 2014, and then they won a title in 16. Astros averaged 104 losses. They're even worse from 2011 to 2014, win more than or lose more than 100 games three times, and they win a title in 17. That will just be kind of the amazing thing about um, the last two World Series. So I'm hoping the White Sox continue that trend, maybe 2021. Uh, they'll win the title after being bad. Yeah, the Cubs and Astros are probably the two best teams uh, from our uh, podcast run, 2015 through 2017. Yeah. I guess the Dodgers wins-wise would be higher, maybe Nationals, but yeah, 
Cubs, Cubs and Astros. I think I'll have, doing the podcast. I think those think of those two teams now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's certainly not the only way to win. Like the Giants were amazing for uh, you know six year span. They won three titles. They didn't tank, but um, yeah, I just think it's been cemented. If there were any questions, cemented as a legitimate uh, path to World Series success. Uh, my second memory or kind of storyline uh, is just bullpenning, to borrow a phrase from Brian Kenny, you know, aggressively utilizing uh, your bullpen, whether that's you know starters in the pen or just relief pitchers. The the whole the playoffs this year got to, um, kind of a great start in that regard when the Yankees ace Severino pitched a third of an inning, got one out, and they went on to like go on to win the game, mm-hmm. and that is just kind of a perfect. You know, example of the way bullpens were used I this think postseason. In the National League wildcard game, Granky only went a couple innings. They had yeah. to use Robbie Ray. And even, you know, in non elimination games, I went back and looked in the World Series and starters and relievers threw the same amount of innings 65 innings from the starters, 65 from guys in the bullpen. It's an even split, which, you know, 15, 20 years ago would have been unheard of. No starter in the World Series gotten out in the eighth inning. So you just didn't have that dominant kind of Madison Bumgarner type performance. And you had, you know, bullpens that didn't even pitch all that well. I mean, there are several games you mentioned where bullpens were giving up five, six, seven runs, but they're still being used um, as a better option to the starter. So, yeah, that second one is just the use of aggressive use of bullpens. My third storyline or memory will be the emergence of Justin Turner and George Springer, at least in my mind, as two of the best hitters in baseball. You know, they're both uh, 5-1 players this year and last year, so they're all-stars, they're great players, But um, and I obviously had heard of them, but I just they were in the forefront of my mind for top 10 players in their respective leagues or even, you know, top player at their position, but they were just uh, insanely good in the postseason um Springer was you know World Series MVP but I feel like it maybe goes understated how good he was in the World Series tied the record for home runs with five with you know Reggie Jackson who everyone talks about as Mr. October broke the record for extra base hits and total bases and was just you know probably the or one of the top two or three reasons that the Astros were able to win the World Series um and then Turner wasn't as good in the World Series but you know, he was MVP in the NLCS um, and one of the most feared hitters the Cubs faced and certainly the Diamondbacks faced. Uh, fourth, the Indians being the most recent example of postseason randomness. You know, during the season when they broke the the record for most wins in a row, everyone talked about, or the debate was, you know, well, if they don't win the World Series, is this season a failure? And I don't know if we ever got an answer on that, but that's exactly what happened. And I think... Um, it'll just be used as another example in years to come when we have the whole debate or the whole conversation about the randomness of the postseason, how it's a crapshoot. People will point to the Indians, you know, clearly uh, the most dominant team in the American League, win 20-plus games in a row, and yet they can't get past the first round. And even, you know, the whole narrative about pitching wins in October, the Indians had an elite staff, um, according to War at least, the best ever and again they can't win more than two games in the postseason another example of the randomness of the postseason and then lastly and this is more of just a personal memory i think i'll carry forward game five of the nlcs 
or NLDS, the Cubs Nats game five, as uh, just a personal memory. This is the game from the whole postseason that I was most into. And I'm not a Cubs fan, but I certainly root for the Cubs. And like I, you know, I went. To, the game got over at like midnight, and I couldn't fall asleep for like an hour. It certainly wasn't like a beautiful game or well played game, but it was so dramatic, so fun to watch. <laughs> I went back and looked, and uh, 14 pitchers were used in that game, seven for each team. 11 of them gave up a run, hmm. and even you know the, the guys that didn't give up a run gave up hits that led to runs that were charged to other pitchers. So. Such a dramatic, fun game to watch. Felt like the Cubs you know, were having to get like 40 outs versus 27. Just felt like the game was never going to end in a good way, not in a bad way. And uh, so I'll, I think I'll remember that game for quite a while. Yeah, if you're going to do a rankings of just individual games, people probably would say World Series games two and five, and then probably the the Cubs-Nats game five are the kind mm-hmm. of the top three games that uh, – went like mainstream yeah people were talking about the next day yeah it's just nuts like wade davis got what seven outs and he wasn't good and like yeah yep grinded him out he was really good in the bottom of the ninth struck out harper to end the game yeah um yeah more of than that game i feel like encompassed like the nats utility Mm -hmm. yeah i played so poorly in that series and yet still i'll have that vivid memory was it jason worth and left (laughs) <laughs> like miss, it. misplay that ball and then I mean the whole Steven Strasburg thing from a couple games before that gosh yeah seems like a long time ago let's forget about that honorable mention number six juice balls see it's not the juice balls it's that the balls were well, whatever Al- just, altered balls yes when you say juice balls that's what people think of hmm that's what they mean yeah You so you think people will be talking about that in years to well, come well I've got some stats for you uh, some playoff trivia to end this segment how many home runs do you think were hit in this year's playoffs you know how much i love these guessing games um shoot i'll say 98 104 it's a good guess uh there were 69 last year wow huge increase and this year's playoffs uh had 45 more innings so that just comes out to a couple more games so uh, big bump there so Say those one more time. Uh, 104 this year, 69 last year. Wow. Gosh. Lots of home runs. So, yeah, I, I would guess. I, I'm not sure if anything was different between the regular season balls and the World Series baseballs. But uh, in general, I feel like the baseball this year was definitely different mm-hmm. than previous years. You just can't explain the massive increase in homers. But you, you over the phone talked about um, you know, the, the narrative, or at least according to Verducci's article, is that you couldn't grip the ball and like throw the slider yeah but like uh, on sliders teams at least in the world series weren't that good or something well, that's why i don't i'm not totally buying into the idea of, of world series balls being different mm-hmm. like i just think in general all of the regular season in 2017 was different yeah so yeah reducci's article is very much like these world series baseballs are different like i can't grip them mm-hmm. brian is like i can't sign my name on them uh well, yeah, the, the ink's falling off. The ink's falling off. Yeah, so I didn't buy that. All right, uh, other trivia. How many position players were used in this year's playoffs? Um, let's see. Nine per team. Three seconds. Nine times. Uh, 80. 135. Wow. How many pitchers? Oh, boy. Um, 150. 102. Uh, how many stolen bases? Uh, 22. 21. 
It's down from 41 last year. Uh, still got a, a World Series stolen base, though, so hope you got your free taco. When, when was that? I didn't even think about last it. Last week, I think. How many strikeouts? Last one. Um, 960. 699. That was up just slightly from last year. 630 last year. All right. Well, that does it. Uh, recapping this year's playoffs and World Series. Um, just one more stat that I had on, on the World Series. So I think Verlander stands out as kind of being the dominant pitcher of this year's playoffs. 33 innings, um, 33 and two-thirds innings led all of pitchers. Uh, 2.21 ERA, 0.82 whip, and 38 strikeouts. Uh, what's crazy, I looked, in 2014, uh, Madison Bumgarner threw 52 innings, um, which is uh, just insane. Mm-hmm. You should you should study his 2014 postseason run because it was um, special, and I think like that's Hall of Fame material. So he similar he to, even has a decent career. Similar to Kershaw, he came back on two days rest to pitch out of the bullpen. I think didn't he throw like like 80 pitches or something? It was like Crazy. five five plus innings. Yeah, that's just nice. insane. Uh, and then offensively, so I think Verlander will be remembered pitching as like the hero. Um, uh, on, on hitting, I think the Astros' um, young uh, trio of Springer, Altuve, and Correa will stand out. You mentioned Springer, but those three collectively had 18 home runs and 37 RBIs in the playoffs, and then all three were over uh, 40 total bases, and they were the only three to go over 40 total bases. Wow. Um, so very good from those three. Um, I think, like you think back last year, Bryant and Rizzo had great series or great playoffs, and um, maybe like Lester, you might think of a great postseason, mm-hmm. or Kluber, you might throw him in there, but he had a bad end to it. So um, I think we always remember certain players and certain storylines like that. The thing about team sports that's amazing to me, maybe more so in baseball than other sports, is how uh, like uh, the success of the team or certain players can overshadow just terrible performances. So like Josh Reddick was mm-hmm. historically bad and you know broke I don't know how many helmets when he got back to the dugout, started every game, <laughs> had what a hundred and some at bats uh, and like ten hits mm-hmm. and but no one no one's ever gonna remember that mm-hmm. like even. I, I don't know, even like his friends in 20 years, I don't know if they'll remember that he was just like brutally terrible. It'll just be like, yeah, he won a World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could even, you know, probably pick guys in the Cubs last year that had just terrible postseasons, but no one talks about them. It's just that they won a World Series. Mm-hmm. So, All right, well, that does it um, for our recap segments. Next up, we'll close out the podcast and give you some top moments from the 2017 playoffs. There's only one October. All right, before we get to our montage of great moments from this year's playoffs, just going to uh, briefly touch on the next couple podcasts that will be coming out. Next Monday, we are going to release a Astro-specific podcast from uh, content that was has been on our program over the course of the year. We did this last year with the Cubs, um, and uh, I enjoy going back and listening to that episode. So uh, I thought I might as well do it again this year. Uh, won't be as much content, uh, but we did talk about the Astros at various times and with various guests. So um, yeah, the, the the episode will just be all of that content. Um, so you can kind of track with their season over the course of uh, the whole year. 
starting with our interview with uh, Michael Coffin, mm-hmm. the Astros AA radio announcer. Yeah, he, that, that was a good call on your end. Well, he, he's had a very unique view of all these guys coming up through the minor leagues. Yeah. You know, all, all the guys we've been talking about. Uh, so we talked with him, um, talked with our friend James from Astros County. Twice. Twice throughout the year, once to uh, in the middle of the year when they were dominant, but then also once uh, going into the playoffs. And he kind of gave some his thoughts on if if the Dodgers or if the Astros win the World Series, these will be the reasons why. Didn't we also do a uh, a show on the Astrodome? Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe I'll throw that in as well. <laughs> a deep dive. A deep dive on the Astrodome. Yeah. Um, so that will come out next Monday. That's episode one thirty six, and then uh, in two weeks, episode one thirty seven, November twentieth, will be a recap of the entire season, where we look back on. Different things that we had been monitoring, different storylines, um, re- revisit our predictions and our thoughts at the beginning of the year as well. And that will be just in time for your Thanksgiving travel. Uh, on that episode, we will also spend quite a bit of time discussing the future of uh, the Foot in the Box brand. And, uh, <laughs> which Keep referring to it as the brand. On um, how it will continue and uh, in what mediums it will continue. So looking forward to that as well. Yes, me as well. All right. Uh, well, we'll play our top moments from the playoffs this year. Before that, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review if you enjoy the program. Uh, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher as well. Uh, send us emails at afootinthebox at gmail.com. Again, if you have thoughts on a new intro song, make sure to send those to us, afootinthebox at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at afootinthebox. And, of course, check us out online at afootinthebox.com. All right. Well, uh, it's been a fun playoffs. Hope you enjoyed it. It's good to be back in the studio, Paul. I agree. It's just fun. Listeners, have a good week and enjoy the top moments from this year's playoffs. Steps in with two on and two out. Here's Nishik's pitch, and Archie shot to left center field. That's going to gap it all the way to the wall. Two runs are going to score. Archie's into second. He's not going to stop. Here he comes to third. He slides in safely with a triple. Archie Bradley, 8-5 D-backs. Are you kidding me? Have a night. Three balls and two strikes. Davis walked a couple in the eighth when Washington was able to push another run across and make this a one-run game. Ryan Zimmerman waits on deck, begging, begging for a chance. 3-2 curveball here to Harper. Here it comes. He struck him out. And the Chicago Cubs, their quest to repeat, begins in earnest in Los Angeles. And for the Washington Nationals, Bitter October disappointment yet again. Here's the 1 1. This ball's belted to left. That ball's got a chance. Make it three. Are you kidding me, Altuve? Three home runs. That's an MVP. Tweed the winning run at second. Turner. With a fly ball, the center field, it's way back at the wall. A three-run walk-off home run for Justin Turner. 
The Dodgers are up two games to none, and they are going crazy. What are not going on a fly ball into right center field. This ball cut off by Judge. Altuve is going to come to the plate. Throw by Gregorius. The throw beat him, but Sanchez could not make the catch. Bird into center. Springer says he's got it. The Houston Astros win the pennant. Snyder, Jackie Robinson, Roy Campanella, and Gil Hodges are laughing their heads off. Look who's throwing out the first ball at the World Series. All right, Scully, you're in front of this big crowd. There's a lot of pressure. You've been practicing for a week. Don't mess up. Kelly Jansen has one six-out save in his big league career, and it came last year during the NLCS in Game 2 at Wrigley Field. Well, the Astros would love to get a big swing and tie it up, but I think if they can get on base and create a little more havoc, with Jansen, he has to speed up his delivery when there's a runner on. Coming into this game, 52 out of 57 attempted steals have been successful. Showed no inclination. Last in, Gonzalez hits one in the air into left center field. Back at the wall and is gone. Tie game in the ninth. Marwin Gonzalez. And it's 3-3 as Gonzalez has his first home run of this postseason. And it couldn't come at a bigger time. You cannot pull a cutter, it seems like. But if you allow the cutter and the spin to go to that natural swing in the other way, it might even have been Gonzalez was late. But his power and the speed of the pitch.
defense in the major leagues this year reminds everybody just how good they are. They scored 896 runs during the regular season. They were number two in home runs. This moonshot lands in the Crawford boxes above the wall on the left. Yeah, strength against strength, and Correa, one of the best. Once the infield came in, and once the fastball was up over the plate, it was a matter of did it have enough distance, because it was way up there. He had so much time to figure out by the time he got to first base. The ball still hadn't landed, and it did right about then. This series too good to end in six. Dodgers force a game seven. They win it three to one. What's interesting to me, Brian McCann, a perennial all-star in the National League, went over to the Yankees, was going to be part of the Yankees' success, traded over here because of the Sanchez success. Here's a ground ball right side, could do it. The Houston Astros are world champions for the first time in franchise history.